from calling out corrupt politics, citing the United States Constitution to explore in American history. We are the relentless patriots. Now, without further ado, here is the most relentless patriot of them all, relentless patriot Frank. Fellow patriots, relentless patriot Frank here on this Memorial Day evening. Happy Memorial Day out there to all our military families, our men and women serving us across the, not just our nation, but around the world, protecting us from disgusting evil Hamas and New World Orderists and globalists. Um, today is a day that we honor the fallen, that we pass on our American history and that we cherish it and that we preserve it and that we thank the ones that have sacrificed everything to do so. Before we get going tonight with our daily reading of the Constitution, I'm going to start with a little ceremonial memorial that I put together myself. And I'm going to have this prisoner of war statue, a memorandum to, you know, not just military families who have suffered through the atrocities of terrorism around the world and have sacrificed everything to preserve liberty and the pursuit of happiness in our in our country, but just everything that America stands for and how we the people must preserve that and that we should never let it change or fall to the wrong hands. This military prayer is a soldier's prayer that a lot of soldiers often say before they go into battle. And it goes something a little bit like this. Lord, I ask for courage. Courage to face and conquer my own fears. Courage to take me where others will not go. I ask for strength. Strength of body to protect others. Strength of spirit to lead others. I ask for dedication. Dedication to my job. To do it well. Dedication to my country. To keep it safe. Give me, Lord, concern for those who trust me and compassion for those who need me. And please, Lord, through it all, be at my side. Um, that's a very powerful statement. And a lot of soldiers say it, like I said before, before going into battle or while they're going through some tough times. And, um, you know, that was taught to me a long time ago by fellow soldiers who are now, unfortunately, who are no longer with us, who came back from the Iraqi war not intact and end up committing suicide. I have a message out there to those who are socialists, Marxists, and hedons of the world. In that prayer that I just said, was there one clause or one statement that says, kill everyone around the world. Lord, grant me the strength to destroy everything that's in front of me. Right? Not one part of that prayer had anything to do with causing harm. It's all about protection. To keep it safe. To be the relentless patriot, as we like to say. To be the defender. To be the oath keeper, not the oath breaker. So this is why today, of all days, on Memorial Day, we must... Cherish and respect those who have fallen, who given everything to keep us safe. Again, I have this prisoner of war statue. It's awesome. And, you know, a big prayer for the prisoner of wars and MIAs that um, also some never came back uh, and some did.
And for those that were captured during all those wars, my heart goes out to you. I'm going to be playing a, a tribute song real quick. Um, it's called The Strong, and it was made during the Good, Bad, and the Ugly movie. And if you guys can, remove your hats, and let's pay tribute to all our, all our fa uh, fallen soldiers. Very touching, one of the best songs I could ever play that not only gives merit to all the fallen uh, soldiers that have sacrificed more than we could ever be grateful for, but only that tune that I just played signifies the American spirit signifies what we all stand for. And I encourage all of you guys to pass around the soldier's prayer and pray and uh, play that song wherever you may go. Because it's a reminder of what we need to fight for, what we need to stand for as patriots and as you know, law-abiding citizens of this world. And um, may those that want to bring about chaos and anarchy to our free nation I have a message to you. You can try, but we're ready for you. And yes, this also goes out to the corrupt bureaucrats out there that would rather see America burn and fall under the Chinese communist flag or the hammer and sickle flag 
or any other flag that has to do with imprisoning people. You, my friends, are the enemy. You, my friends, will pay. So with that being said, and as my blood is boiling, <laughs> I'm going to read something, as usual, from our Constitution. And this is from the Federalist Papers, uh, fast-forwarding all the way to 525. And this has a lot to do with preserving a government for the people and by the people. And um, it goes a little something like this. In order, perhaps, to give countenance to the objection at any rate, it may be asked, is there not danger of an opposite bias in a national government which may dispose it to endeavor to secure a monopoly of the federal administration to the landed class? As, there's, as there is little likelihood that the supposition of such a bias will have any terrors for those who would immediately injure by it, a labored answer to this question will be dispensed with. It will be sufficient to remark, first, that for the reasons elsewhere assigned, it is less likely that any decided partiality should prevail in the councils of the Union than those of, it, of any of its members. Secondly, that there would be no temptation to violate the Constitution. Here's something crucial, guys, I just said. I'll read that again. Secondly, that there would be no temptation to violate the Constitution in favor of the landed class, because that class would be, in the natural course of things, enjoy as great a, a preponderancy as, it, as itself could desire. And thirdly, that men accustomed to investigate the sources of public prosperity upon a large scale must be too well convinced of the utility of commerce to be inclined to inflict upon it so deep a wound as would result from the entire exclusion of those who would best understand its interest. This, this clause right here is about what the role of Congress should be. And it angers me that hundreds of years ago, all these people that wrote in this fantastic book knew about what was coming. They knew what would happen if the government got too big and too powerful. They knew what would happen if tyrants would end up ruling them. And it even says here, like I said before, there would be no temptation, and I repeat, no temptation to violate the Constitution in favor of the landed class. The landed class guys are the upper echelon, the, the ruling class. Right? And, and the ruling class is supposed to preserve the Constitution for the people, quote-unquote, beneath them. And every single day, it's being broken. Every single day, we have to continuously fight for our rights to, to just live as Americans. Every single day, our freedom is tested and checked and challenged. Well, I have a, I have a challenge for all of you out there. It's time to start checking and challenging these liberal nimrods. These people at the top that think they can do whatever they want, whenever they want, and not get in trouble for not following the law. For not, for not looking to the Constitution for guidance. For taking our tax money and investing it into foreign nations and big pharma. And yes, unfortunately, this includes Donald, you know, former President Trump. As much of a patriot as he is... And that, you know, he did make an awesome statement 
today that we owe all that we are to fallen military heroes. I get he's a patriot. I get he's on our side. But when you sell your soul a little bit to the New World Order, to quote, keep the peace, unquote, um, it's rather upsetting. It's upsetting to see that you were going to lead us to victory, Mr. Trump, and then you disappear January 6th. I still don't know what was up with all that. Who knows if it was a completely staged operation and fabrication by the New World Orderists and the globalists and the, you know, the elites that wanted to try to make a fool out of Trump and us as well. But who knows at this point? You know, so on this Memorial Day, guys, um, like I said before, we're going to have some special guests on here. We got the real Latina Rebel Vinny. He's awesome. We got D6, a.k.a. RP Rob. He's the man. Um, and like I said, I will be reading from the 1776 Project. It's a little initiative that the former president had for all of us in terms of getting rid of the liberal indoctrination at all our schools. And um, it's unfortunate that people don't see that in this document, it has real history. It has real teachings of the Constitution. It has real conservative values. And it warns our youth about what would happen if they were brainwashed by Marxism or what would happen when tyranny uh, would come to their classroom or to our country. I'm just going to read a little bit from this. It's a very big document. I was skimming through it before. But let me tell you something. If every single person had a copy of this, they would know exactly what we had to do. It's kind of like what JFK wanted us to do. He wanted to warn the people about the New World Order and these segregationists of freedom and warn everybody. And he wanted to have an American education. You know, he wanted all the children to learn about the Constitution. They wanted to have more conservative values put into the classroom. I'm going to read a little bit of the intro, and this is important. The day Joe Biden was sworn and is sworn in as President of the United States... Um, some may see this as a technicality, but it's an important point of historical accuracy. Bringing together 13 diverse colonies with their unique history, constitutions, and operating governments was not an easy task. The past cannot be changed, but going forward, a newly formed government could rectify some injustices and work toward laying the groundwork for resolving others. Criticisms of the 1776 Commission, like Joe Biden, were swift and harsh. CNN labeled the report a, a racist school curriculum, quote-unquote. The New York Times called it a sweeping attack on liberal thought and activism. They got one out of two right. It was a sweeping attack on liberal thought and activism and was not to be, it was not meant to be a school curriculum. <laughs> the criticisms were, were not left unanswered. After Biden's action, the 1776 Commission responded with a joint statement from its chairman, Dr. Larry P. Arn, the president of Hillsdale College. And you know, guys, I'm just going to say something about Hillsdale College. They are amazing. They know everything about the Constitution from A to Z. And for anyone that has any questions aside from, you know, you know, aside from myself, who knows a lot about the Constitution as is, please feel free to reach out to them. If you go to HillsdaleCollege.com, they actually have online courses where you can where you can learn a whole bunch from them. So it's definitely worth it's worth the knowledge and it's worth going on there and checking it out. 
um, because that's how we're going to beat this battle. We have to know our Constitution. You know, so anyway, the 1776 project, guys, was not meant to be a historical curriculum. You know, it wasn't meant to be in history classes. It was a entity in itself. They misunderstood the purpose of the commission. We were not writing for academic scholars. It was never meant to be a comprehensive history report. We did want to address that part of today's public debate is exemplified by the 1619 Project. I mean, that, that, that's crazy. The 1619 Project, guys, uh, was authored by Nicole Hannah-Jones degree... Uh, who had well, sorry? Who had a degree in journalism? She doesn't have a PhD in history, and yet she won a Pulitzer Prize for her work claiming that the nation's founding began with the arrival of the first slave ship in North America, which is utterly false. She teaches at UNC Chapel Hill's Hussman School of Journalism and Media. Her work demonstrates that as a person who does not have a degree in history, to work in the field of history, she's a person who has zero understanding, zero knowledge of the Constitution, and she's merely going off of facts and feelings. We know this. Her investigative work led her to claim that the United States has always been hopelessly racist and irredeemable given today's political standards. So that was a paragraph of what she said, and it's outright, it's outright disgusting that you think the 1619 Project beats out the 1776 Project because of the first slave ship ever to arrive here. Guys, I'm going to bring on Vinny real quick. Vinny, how you doing, sir? False history and false flag information that the radical left continues to spew out to its, uh, you know. Hey, y'all. Happy Memorial Day. How you doing, sir? I'm doing good. I, I was listening to that, and it was so true when you mentioned the founder of this 1619 Project. basing which She's basically the founder of critical race theory, which is basically, oh, anyone who's white is bad. America is hopelessly racist. Our founding fathers are horrible. And the problem that I see with this whole curriculum is that you actually have a generation that is now in college. These are the ones that are out there rioting, having no respect for personal property. That's right. And she's made statements. There's a statement that there was a meme of her, and this was a true video of her. And she basically said, destroying property that can be replaced is not a crime or something like along the lines of that. I'm like, does she not know what property crime is? Wait until she has her own property destroyed by a bunch of quote-unquote white supremacists. And um, then she's going to start crying wolf real quick. They'll buy her another mansion. Yeah, of course. Um, I'm going to go on here real quick. Here, here's the problem with this. The 1619 Project, guys, was mostly developed by a single person, that woman. That moron. The 1776 Report and project was a collaborative effort made up of people with varied educational and racial backgrounds, experience, and expertise. I mean, I don't know how much more I need to say uh, other than there's several sections in here that teach about the Constitution was ahead of its time. Um, the, people say that the Constitution was sexist because it didn't mention the word woman. And... It's, it's mentioned nowhere for a reason. And he, here's the reason why. Neither are the words man or men. It says all people are created equal. All people. Even in the 13th Amendment, it doesn't mention man or woman. Um, 
The right of citizens of the United States to vote should not be denied or abridged by the United States or by any state on account of sex. Congress shall have power to enforce this article by appropriate legislation. That was the 19th Amendment. Um, it didn't prevent anybody from voting. You know, and the whole three-fifths nonsense, a slave was three-fifths person, you know that had a lot to do with the southern uh, population in terms of voting. It didn't say that the slaves weren't allowed to vote. It never said anything like that. You know, the, the more I dive into this, Vinny, the more I'm just like, you know what, the amount of lies that these schools spew to our, mm -hmm. to our, to our children, to our youth, is disgusting. You know, the 1619 Project somehow infected millions of schools. Throughout and colleges. Country. And colleges. You know, so this book was, is obviously in defiance of that. Direct counter-argument is in this book. And no one wants to just open it up and say, hey, they might be onto something here. You know, um, it goes on to say that, let's see, the unintended consequences of revolutions. Oh, oh here's a good one. Um, revolutions often begin with disconnecting people from the past. Ooh, what, what, a, what, a, what, what an Easter egg for all of you out there. Adolf Hitler understood this. In Mein Kampf, he stressed the importance of winning over and then training the youth in the service of a new national state, quote-unquote. When an opponent declares, I will not come over to your side, he said in a speech on November 6, 1933, I calmly say, your child belongs to us already. What are you? You will pass on your descendants, however, now stand in the new camp. In a short time, they will know nothing else but this new community. On May 1st, 1937, Hitler declared, this new Reich will give its youth to no one but will itself take youth and give to youth its own education and its own upbringing. If you want to talk about prominent socialism and Marxism, of course the 1619 Project is going to hide all these things. Hitler also said that the Third Reich will be responsible for bringing about the New World Order. I think you might have even posted that on your own feed at some point. But guys, the reason why I speak so you know, vaguely about the NWO is because I know they're watching. I know they're watching everything that we do and say. And quite frankly, I don't care because we're already on to their agenda. This whole Marxist crap came in 20 plus years ago underneath everyone's noses, taught the wrong history. And now several generations later, this is what we're dealing with. Do you know what Operation or uh, uh, Project Sunshine is? Yes. If I remember correctly, that's it's an education thing that's happening. It's like priming the youth to borderline become Antifa, basically. You're teaching them about like false uh, teachings. That's I know correct. it also had a lot of like the false environmental stuff in there. And, you know, I know AOC was part of sponsoring that as well. Absolutely. Um, that had a lot to do with the reasons why you're seeing what you're seeing from the next generation. That came out a long time ago, by the way. I, I don't think and a lot it's of people really ugly head. Mm, say again. It, it's rearing its ugly head now. And I think that yes, it is. everyone was so quick to think this is not just, you know, a year or a few months. This was years in the making of like, almost like, I hate to use this example, but think of it like, you know, I guess tuberculosis, the best way. It's a disease, disease, basically, this communism stuff that is basically been growing and growing and growing. And by the time we start seeing symptoms, like all, you know, bull poop hit the fan last year. 
um, with rioting and all that, that was not just overnight. That was years in the making. That's right. You know, it's like a symptom of a cold. You don't know it's a cold until it starts showing itself. Right, COVID idiots? <laughs> you know, so it's funny. And speaking of COVID real quick, not to digress, but it's amazing how many people did not show symptoms while they had COVID. But meanwhile, plenty of people have gotten the jab and their symptoms all over the place. Um, that means it's working. No, you idiot. It means you're lowering your immune system and you're injecting toxic chemicals into your body, thinking that you're going to fight something in which doesn't exist. That's fantastic. Uh, you know, trust the science theories, by the way. But um, every record, guys, has been destroyed or falsified. Every book rewritten. Every picture has been repainted. Every statue and street building has been renamed. They're doing that now? That's They're doing it now. To been, like, and the process is continuing day by day and minute by minute. History has stopped. Nothing exists except an endless you know, endless party, an endless party of the radical left to destroy everything that's, that people, that's why Memorial Day is so important, that people have sacrificed to protect. And there's now false uh, teachings being taught about Memorial Day that's being put out there by 1619. Oh, no. They're claiming that Memorial Day was made by slaves, and that's not true at all, because if they really knew their history, the last slave state was actually New Jersey, which is a union state. Jeez, that was the Christ. last official state that actually ended slavery. The last state in the whole union. It was not a southern state. Benny, please re-educate everyone about how Memorial Day came about, please. So the how Memorial Day came around. So after the war between the states, people had this false belief that it was, oh, the war's over. We're going to be back together. It actually took a while to get every single state back uh, together. And what happened was after the war, you had men that died at Fort Delaware, Point Lookout, Camp Douglas. Those are just three of many northern prisons that completely get brushed under the rug. And what happened was a lot of those men who uh, passed on in there, and there was actually, I think, a handful of women that were either southern sympathizers or did some other role. They were thrown into a mass grave. And I use, uh, so New Jersey, we have uh, Fort Delaware's um, burial grounds. Fort Delaware being part of Delaware was close by. They would, you know, ferry over. All the bodies were taken and just thrown in a big ditch. They weren't even given a proper burial. Oh, they weren't God. given a marker. New York City has a Confederate cemetery. Uh, New York State, not New York City. Uh, and in New York State, they've all been given proper burials. So what happened was in New Jersey, these men were dying there, and they were thrown into a ditch. And it was not until, I think, around 1910 that New Jersey got its monument. Now, before that, there was nothing there. It was a ditch. So you had family members that... If they were lucky, maybe they're given a notification. They didn't know what happened. So after the war, and this is hotly debated, I personally think it is Mississippi, but there's also proof that it could be Georgia. Mississippi or Georgia, the women would do a thing called Decoration Day. Uh, they would get together. They would decorate the graves of the fallen or the where they're buried. They would yes. fight hard to get the graves up. And this is just a grave. This is not a monument. This was something that took years. We are still putting down graves for Confederate veterans because... They've been forgotten about. My good buddy, um, I'm not going to say his name because he's current army still, but he wrote a really good book that I've mentioned before. His story is incredible. He found his, I think it was three or four times great uncle. They found where he was buried and they just got him a proper marker. And they had last year a service a ceremony that was limited due to the virus. So I didn't make it down there. But this is a, a proof that, you know, people have been either taught to forgot their history or 
after the war, if they migrated, we had people that migrated west. We had some southerners that migrated north. We had some that went to Brazil. Uh, a lot of them just left and unfortunately forgot. And I, I think it's a blessing that you do have families that have generations and generations of either artifacts or heirlooms, or they're able to remember. And I always say, um, so I don't know if you're familiar with, with the pledges that we have in our uh, groups, but the pledges say so much and they're so warming because these yeah. women, this was, by the way, not men, this was women because a lot of the men had died. The women who were left took over, they remembered the dead. That eventually became the Memorial Day that we um, know today. And it would be the one organization that came out of it was the women's, um, it was something along the lines of women's memorial society or something like that. And that eventually morphed into the UDC, which is the oldest active military patriotic group. And these were women that were actively advocating for veterans of all wars. The other thing um, that I have found as well uh, was when you hear the pledge. So when you're a member of the UDC, the pledge is, um, then they have a specific ritual. You say the Pledge of Allegiance first always, and then you say to the First National or any of the nationals, I salute the Confederate flag with affection, reverence, and undying remembrance. The men's group's version is different, which is I salute the Confederate flag with affection, reverence, and undying devotion for the cause for which it stands. But both of them go back to our basic values of honor and remembrance. And that's does, something that we're fighting for still. Does, does any one of those clauses, and I even just said a soldier's prayer before you came on, does any one of those clauses say, we must preserve racism, we must preserve slavery, we must, we must oppress people, we have to, it's part of our tradition. No. We even have statements against it, by the way. On both the women's exactly. group, the men's group, we have statements saying that we, we completely denounce and condemn any form of hatred, bigotry, and all that, we do not allow racists in any of the groups who have ever been part of a hate group. We have statements on all of that, on the division sites, on the regular sites themselves. And it's really sad because common ignorance that's being taught in school and really bad reporting, they completely overlook what is literally right in front of their face, which is a simple Google search away. And I think to me, that's the most heartbreaking. And, you know, our men's group, we have standards, we have values, we always take the high road. And it's sad because we've been losing out on so much. We uh, recently, the Vance Monument, this guy was a veteran, Confederate veteran, who played a prominent role in North Carolina's government. He also was proven that he actually favored Jews and protected Jews. And it's sad because his monument that is very similar to New Jersey's, it's a tall obelisk, has been being removed piece by piece. They spray painted and vandalized it, and that completely got accepted because that's a, a blue area. And, in, and they put like all kinds of anti-Islamic, anti-Semitic stuff on it. It was all like um, it was against Islam, not Islam. It was against uh, Jews, so it was anti-Semitic graffiti that happened, and it was uh, disappointing to see that. We also had another issue we're dealing with is um, in Richmond, Virginia. Uh, you know, any of y'all Google or watch some of my videos on that. Richmond, Virginia was hit really hard with the vandalism and the rioting. Monuments Avenue has been completely destroyed. It was once a beautiful area. They thought a cannon and an anchor was offensive. A.P. Hill, General A.P. Hill, uh, was he put in his will that he wanted to be buried in Richmond and he wanted to be buried uh, vertical. They honor his wish. They're actually going to desecrate his grave and remove him. What this is, is why we need people to rally around and like have a rally, a peaceful rally, because it's so disgusting that this is 2021 and we still have to fight to keep our loved ones buried. We still have to fight for the memorials and monuments. We have to fight for our holidays. 
Arkansas, they shot it down, thank goodness, but there was going to be a proposed bill. Just that idea was sickening to remove our flag day. We worked hard to get that day. And we have a lot of people there that still have relatives there um, and connections to it. We do still have several, and I found um, we have several children or, you know, real sons and daughters of the Confederacy that are left. You know, you know what the problem is when I see if schools refuse to teach the truth about the past. Um, None. It's up to us to do an end run around them. We have to. Um, we still have freedom of the press. Yes, guys. But with all that happening today, it, it too might become a distant memory. Like, is there any wonder that the foundation of the American Republic is being ripped apart? Of course. Uh, we shouldn't be afraid to study any part of history, too. Like, I always go back to the Constitution. I always talk about the Cold War. I always talk about the events that led up to World War One and Two. I always talk about the Federal Reserve, the, uh, you know, the, the, the U.S. Treasury, how that got corrupted. I always talk about no taxation without representation. I always relate the past to what's going on right now because, as you guys know, History is always doomed to repeat itself if we don't learn from it. And this is one of the things that I've always said. Um, if we cannot, if we cannot, I'll say this again, educate, educate and persuade people that what they're learning in their own, you know, in their own K through 12 education, if we cannot change their minds, we as a nation are done. Because it's going to be up to us, man. I feel like the, that we are the last generation to try and preserve not just the Constitution, but our, our way of life. Our Americanism is slowly fading away. When I tell people that over 40% of this country has a growing mental disorder of depression, of some type of uh, mental ailment, ADHD, no one can pay attention to what's going on. Everyone's distracted. The intelligence factor, or you know, we're barely educating our youth as is. They're, you know, they're failing. Uh, they're failing all their classes. No one's paying attention to what's going on behind closed doors. No one is questioning their professors or teachers. Everyone's just blindly going through the school system with being indoctrinated, and that's part of the biggest issue of all. And you know what the crazy thing is? The we have in New Jersey, and this is pretty scary the highest standards to become a teacher but even then there's not they're no longer teachers it's very rare to find a good educator we have what we call indoctrinators and we just found out that one teacher from new jersey decided to go to north carolina and vandalize and tr was part of bringing down a monument so that's this is what i love i'll give you the credit if you tear down a confederate flag give me a break if he's doing that outside and here's the thing here's the crazy thing he's still in the classroom this was like this, slap on the wrist, eh, no big deal. Oh, go ahead and teach your students about it. If I was a parent sending my kid to that school, I would yank him out immediately because that's someone who is, a, I consider that, honestly, you are a homegrown terrorist. You are attacking property. That's a veteran's monument. That should be desecration of veteran's grave. You know, it's, it's a little concerning. And that behavior has just been swept under the rug. They had someone from Virginia, one of the Senate members or some kind of government official. She was caught out there taking part in attacking a monument and slap on the wrist. They, yeah, they must be so proud of themselves. Charged against her. Desecrating monuments on Memorial Day means you're special. It means you get special treatment. You, you, you yourself get, get to be uh, invincible to the truth, and um, somehow magically you're treated like a hero. Let, guys, let me, let me just say this again for you. 
There was no United States of America before July 4th, 1776. You know, or July States. 2nd or 3rd when the official document was sealed, right? There, there, were, there was not yet, formally speaking, an American people. They were fighting to have an America, okay? They were instead living in the 13 British colonies in North America, some two and a half million subjects of a distant king. And that also comprised of French, Native Americans. That's why I tell people to go, go back and start the Seven Years' War, a.k.a. the French and Indian War, when Americanism first started to, you know, be a thing where people wanted to secede from what the tyrannical king and, and, the, and the British soldiers were doing to all the independent uh, landowners and uh, farmers by sending all the poorest of the poor out to the frontier to be slaughtered by, you know, uh, Native American tribes that wanted nothing to do with the 13 colonies or the allies. So, like, what about them? What about them? Are we, are we going to honor their graves, too? I sure as hell would. A matter of fact, man, I would, I would gladly say this right now. I would honor a fallen frontiersman of the 13 original colonies more so than George Floyd's grave any day of the week. Those people were more American. They hacked, they hacked it out of the wilderness with their own two hands to have something that the British didn't want to even give to them. They gave it to them as a favor for their royal service in the in the in the uh, you know during the French and Indian War, and they got they got completely taken advantage of and cast out to the side. The same way our government, if you want to talk about going back to the Civil War, um, the same way our government took all the Irishmen, all the immigrants. As soon as they got off the boat, they handed them some papers. You could be a United States citizen, but you must serve in the Civil War. And they all died before they can even understand or, 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 or what it meant to, or, or just experience the American way of life. Honoring the dead, you're exactly right, Rob. Respecting wow, that's the test of character. And you know what? There's no reason to honor George Floyd. Zero. Okay. There is zero. He's a violent criminal. And here's what I love about it. They brush up his extensive criminal history that is literally – as tall as a tower. That's right. It's over a, a, a span of a whole entire decade. Probably. Yeah. And it's enormous. And the serious charges, putting a gun to a pregnant woman, they, first of all, if that was anyone who was, you know, heaven forbid, right wing, oh, they, they would never let him live it down. But because he fits their, you know, martyr status, they would go like this. Oh, it's no big deal. You know, it's fine. Or you're just attacking his past. Um, well, actually... A tiger doesn't change stripes and reading the research, you know, being in the field of friends psychology, you see this a lot that you'll have violent criminals. When you have some serious violence like that, that behavior doesn't change. And the worst part is they were disgusting enough to use his daughter as a way to kind of make him appear like he was nicer. And that to me was just disgusting what the media did because it does not take away from the fact that this still is a violent person. And I'm sure that she is not aware of what he did because I'm sure the family didn't say, hey, your father did this and that. And the fact that Nancy Pelosi honored him with a triangle folded flag that they give to fallen veterans angered me the most. They gave him this massive funeral. They televised it. This was all completely staged. And then, the, you know, you had the whole trial, which I think was fixed because the fact that the, someone from the crowd said, oh, we're happy with the result. We're not going to riot. What kind of response is that? And I know this will sound crazy. The only reason that I'm glad the verdict was that 
was the reason it was is that had any of those three charges been not guilty, that entire town would have burned. Absolutely. And Maxine Waters is encouraging that. She's not being investigated. She's not being no. fired. It's like, oh, it is what it is. They, at this whole event, there was teachers. Okay, this is what I want to know. Where the heck are these parents? I saw on Fox News, uh, they covered it. There was teachers with students there trying to teach their version of the trial. Oh, no. Their version of the trial. Yeah, orange man, bad. White man, bad. George Violent George. criminal who puts a, a gun to a pregnant woman, good. That's literally the message that's being sent. You know, it's being sent that mob justice is okay, that destroying property is okay, that you know people getting threats is okay. This is not justice. Right. A good and I pray that he is able to get everything overturned because I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say this real quick. I don't want to interrupt you, but a good veteran friend of mine, who I know for several years now, served in the Iraqi War, several tours, um, is in his fifties now, and his main patriotic statement, quote unquote, if you will, was. I just want to say that as a as a as a black man, um, paying tribute to his nation, that may we honor and respect all fallen soldiers who were whipped and beaten by their superior officers. So he, he's talking about all the African Americans that were serving in the military, for, you know, previously Civil War and onwards. It's like. Why would you say that? Why, why do you have to make Memorial Day about race? They make it... all the fallen victims that were, that were you know, uh, tortured and, and abused by their superior officers and that they wanted to fight for freedom because they loved their country, but the evil white man didn't want them. Like, shut up. Shut up. You weren't part of that generation. You didn't experience it yourself. You're a decorated military officer and a black hat. Why are you going to make Memorial Day about racism? That, that's and that, that's how you're going to honor the dead. You know what? They, they took it a step further on CNN because as a commentator, you and I both know you have to read a lot of these, you know, articles or God forbid, have to watch an hour or two of CNN, which at the end of it, I feel like I either need a glass of whiskey or a run or something because my brain is actually hurting. I don't know how people get hooked on this stuff, but I swear it's toxic to brain cells. They had a whole special yesterday for their memorial special. What it should have been called was We Hate America special. They had someone who claimed to be from the military who was claiming that the American military is systemically racist and that we purposely target Muslim and dark-skinned countries. Yeah. I have not met a single veteran who says, oh, I'm going to go in here, so we're going to go attack this country. No. That, not a single one. Matter of fact, not one veteran can, is uh, actually in agreement about doing that to begin with, if they were asked to go. Yep. Yep. And the other thing they had too, they had uh, someone who went on there and he claimed that being proud of our Memorial Day and our military is, is nationalism. I'm like, that is not nationalism. Uh, that is being proud of your country. And you should be proud of your country because when they try to make you ashamed, oh, you shouldn't be proud of America. Uh, you shouldn't be proud of this and that. We're not a good country. Uh, if you don't like this country, there's a plane ticket. Okay. You have the ability if, to leave. If you don't want us to be proud of our own country, then what would you like us to be proud of? Marxist, fucking communist, Europe, criminal, freaking. You know, I mean, would you like us to go worship freaking Mao Ping, the Chinese emperor and dictator? Are you? Are you? They want us to worship that. Are you part of Hugo Chavez? Are you part of freaking? Are you proud of uh, Fidel Castro and his bullshit or Che Guevara with all his countless murders or Nessa? You know, and that's another thing too. You got all these black activists. 
who claim to be quote-unquote patriots, but yet they're going to share a whole bunch of crap from uh, in quotes from Nelson Mandela. What's wrong with you? And Martin Luther King, they mistake his words because if Dr. King saw what was happening now, he'd be appalled. If they really Absolutely. cared about Dr. King, his ancestor who's still alive now is Angela. That's one of his ancestors, Angela Stanton King. She is incredible because she does not mince words and she tells it like it is. She is not well-liked by the GOP because she ain't no rhino. And she doesn't mince words. She tells it exactly like it is. She says what's on her mind and she tells the truth and people don't like that. Members of her own party, as you know, because the, the GOP is corrupt. Um... That is more so of what Dr. King is like. This is not what the BLM version of it is or their interpretation because they interpret it wrong. These activists, by the way, this is what I love. These activists are too busy, you know, using what they consider a crisis, fueling the fire, taking all the money, and then buying themselves some large mansions in a predominantly white neighborhood, but then crying racism. That's and right. That's right. I mean, when, when well, that's, that's how you get rich quick, don't you know? You got to play a victim. And if you play the victim then you can get rich quick in anything. Look at freaking LeBron James, for Christ's sake. You know how many people donated to him on the yeah. side? Thank you for standing up for us, for all the black people. Shut up. With this whole victim, victimhood oppression narrative, this whole Marxist narrative. Um, again, I'm going to divert back into the 1776 report real quick because this has a lot to do with what we're talking about. Um, so in the 1776 report, guys, there are several sections, okay, uh, several parts I'm just going to name off the bat. In order to have a more uh, American or Americanism type of uh, generation, the next generation, we got to have three things. And we got to remember this. The role of the family, teaching America, you know, teaching what America is in our school systems. We got to have the American mindset and the reverence for laws and a scholarship for freedom. So the primary duty of schools, guys, is to teach students the basic skills needed to function in society, such as reading, writing, and mathematics. Okay, our founding fathers also recognized and a second and essential task that educators must convey a sense of enlightened patriotism that equips each generation with a knowledge of America's founding principles, a deep reverence for their liberties and a profound love of their country. Make no mistake, guys, the love we are talking about is something different from romantic or from, you know, or family love, something that cannot be imposed by teachers or schools or government edicts, least of all in a free country. So state and local governments are responsible for adopting, uh, adopting curricula that teach children the peep, that teach children the principles that unite, inspire, all Americans. This includes lessons about the Revolutionary War, the, De the Declaration of Independence, the Constitutional Convention. Educators should teach an accurate history of how the permanent principles of America's founding have been challenged and preserved since 1776. Teach them true history, guys. And, and look, if the schools aren't doing it, then the role of the family must come into play. By the very nature, families are the first educators. We all know this. Teaching children how to treat others with respect, make wise decisions, and exercise patient, you know, patience, think for themselves, et cetera, et cetera. So why is it that we are having such a hard time with our youth? It's because most of the families in America are broken. Look at the divorce rate. Look at how the parents act. They have no idea what to do. They don't know how, and they certainly don't, most importantly, don't know how to teach their children how 
to say no. Yeah, and I've witnessed the it's parents. It's all about giving them whatever they want. The parents are afraid of their children now. And this yeah. is an issue because I've witnessed not only, you know, working in the you know, service industry, education, different field. Even when I worked at TJ Maxx, my first job, I'll never forget this. You know, seeing how teenagers treat their moms with no respect for the Sweet 16. I effing want this. If I even dreamt of saying the F-bomb at my mom, first of all, would be terrified of what my dad would do at home. Second of all, would gotten backhand right there, yanked out of the store. Instead, the parents bow down. What should be done is, in that instance, put your foot down. Guess what? You're not getting your prom dress today. You're not having anything. This is a punishment. There has to be rules, boundaries, regulations. This That's is right. not being taught to our generation. And what, what's happening now is, uh, I don't know if you know, but in higher education and even high school, there's great inflation. So you're forced to pass them in high school. In college, it used to be that if you go to college, you know, you can fail them. That's true for certain places, but for some prestigious universities, they force you to bump the grade up. And I disagree with that because you're not teaching values. And it's sad because if you have years and years of just, you know, valuable lessons not being taught, the home is also supposed to teach you rules, morals, values, and also builds upon what you know, because it can't just be the school's job to teach values, respect, manners. They're barely no. doing a good job at teaching regular education, let alone- exactly. Most. Exactly. That, 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 it's that that place. You know, speaking of, in the decades that followed the Civil War, uh, then, um, in response to the Industrial Revolution and all that other stuff, what, what stemmed from that, where you can honestly say where all this crap got even more idealized and worshipped, was the progressive age. You know, like the age of political thought and progressivism. You know, because because America was not moving forward fast enough for these charlatans. And what stemmed from it was all this contemporary crap that had nothing to do with moving the country forward, but had everything to do with enslaving society. So hence the World War Ones, hence the World War Twos, hence the freaking uh, the the Federal Reserve, hence all these organizations that stemmed right before the 16th Amendment, which allowed Congress to tax the crap out of us over anything and anything they see fit, uh, they saw fit. So I am just, the amount of fascism that has happened, the amount of pragmatism about science, the amount of civil servants that these charlatans expect us to be, you know, like the amount of taxes we've had to pay, and it's all going to this stuff. It's all going to fascism. It's all going down the tubes. You know, taking the Pledge of Allegiance out of our school districts and taking God out of the pledge itself. That, that upsets me the most. First of all, the fact that it's even an option to stand for the pledge or not, which is just like, it's sad. Second of all, the option to say God or not, this is our pledge. You know, like, I don't go and edit the pledge because I'm offended by it or afraid of offending someone's religion. That should not be an option. And you have educators that are just so liberal and so brainwashed, you know, it's something else. Yes, it is. I also have, I don't know if you saw this. This is the, the Palmetto Rose. And what this was is this was considered a good luck charm in South Carolina. Nice. When I went to you know, my SCV camp, we had the South Carolina division meeting. I was given this by a very nice lady. And I'll read you it. It says the Palmetto Rose tradition, the weaving of the Charleston Palmetto Rose dates back to the Civil War. Tradition holds that Southern ladies would give their true love a palmetto rose to keep them safe from harm as they rode into war. 
The palmetto rose is made from fronds, fronds of the South Carolina's official state tree, the palmetto tree. Due to each leaf's unique appearance, no two roses are exactly the same. The belief was if you gave this to a veteran loved one, they would survive the war. But I also like the idea of how contemporary that is now. You could use it to honor a loved one. You can also use it to give to a veteran loved one if they're getting um, deployed. That is amazing. Oh, snap. We got four people. We got, <laughs> how we, are you? We got everybody in? Yes, it finally worked. Dang I it. Don't know, we're still live, too, which is good. So we got John here, guys, and we have Rob. What's going on? Yeah. Talking about the Constitution and why we the people must fight to preserve every single aspect of it. Dixie, was that say? After the war. Yeah. I won this in a silent auction there. That's awesome. And you know, you know what? You know what? Um here's the deal. We're talking about reverence of the law, reverence of the constitution, the principles of equality, the principles of honoring, you know, our fallen brothers and sisters. Why is it so important now? That we have to think, guys, look, we have to focus on what's important. We have to. If we cannot, you know, convey the knowledge to the next generation, because let's face it, the school systems would have had this report in their hands. They would have had the curriculum in their hands. And they were prohibited from doing it from the evil Biden and Kamala Harris's of the world. So... It's up to us. It's up to us. Every, if you ask me, every single child, every single college student needs to have one of these in their hands 24 7. Oh, you know, like, that's, that's an understatement. Edition, obviously, but <laughs> that's you know, like, like high school. Right. It should be. And, and, that, and that's part of why I like going live and I like reading from this. All right. Departments should not be so far separated as to have no constitutional control over each other. We're talking about the branches of government. It was shown in the last political paper that was examined. It does not require that the legislative, executive, and judiciary departments should be wholly unconnected with each other. I shall undertake in the next place to show that, the, that unless these departments be so far connected. This is by James Madison, by the way and blended as to give to each a constitutional control over the others, the degree of separation which the maxim requires as essential to a free government can never in practice be duly maintained. It is agreed on all sides that the powers properly belonging to one of the departments ought not to be directly and completely administered by either of the other departments. You know, like, okay, so let, let's talk about what department right now is so corrupt, so vile, so disgusting, that it has power over the other ones. Which one out of the three, ladies and gentlemen, for those that are viewing, which, which one is the most corrupt? Which one is the most vile? Which one has all the cards, all the aces in their pockets and in their sleeves? Which guys know. Executive. Executive. The executive. Mm -hmm. The executive also controls the other two, which is even more terrifying and sick. That's why, you know, like all these Democrats, it doesn't matter who's in office right now, obviously, but, but the executive branch is so corrupt that they cannot pass a single law against these socialists and Marxist ideologies. Have you seen one piece of legislation that outlaws any of this? I, I was just going to say, you're, oh, sorry to cut you off, but your, your legislative branch is probably the most corrupt because... You understand, I was thinking people, that politicians 
are basically born and full, uh, born and sold, born, but like that's like stocks on Wall Street. So that's understand is that like, if let's just say, for instance, Benny, I'm going to use you as an example, right? Let's just say, for instance, you may be a, you know, Democrat or Republican, whatever your political affiliation is. Here I am, a big oil man, right, who has basically some serious assets and some serious money, but I need you to basically come along to push that agenda, but I'll pay you for it. But you don't want it. But I was like, no, 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 I'm going to pay you for it. And you say, okay, you know, I'll, I could do that. And you slowly start caving away from your morals and where your, where your uh, moral beliefs were. Because because money talks volumes. That's exactly what it is with these people. No, you you're not wrong with that statement. Publicly, publicly legislative is the most fucked up, and then executive, like, you know, off the book. You know, they you know, they do military operations. You know, Joe Biden is talking about some like five year old or something like that. As she's like looking like she's nineteen. You know, that's you know, and you know, even when when he was when he was a uh, president when he was vice president with Obama, they. You know, Obama knew to keep him in the back, shut up, because he was going to fuck up. And, like, I don't know, you know, it's it gets even weirder, you know, from, from there. Like, is, you know, even Biden, Biden, like. I mean, let, let alone the men's just not rap type. And I think we're, we're in a position where the more and more time goes on, the more and more things we're actually going to see hell break loose. And I'm not just talking as, like, um, like as, as far as, like, infrastructure level goes. I'm meaning that. We're having Democrats take control of everything. I mean, you know, it's by no offense to, to Frankie out in Jersey, but I said my, the joke is about people in Jersey suck at driving. And then I realized, I'm like, wait a second, it's not just the people that suck at, in Jersey that they drive. When I, it's the infrastructure. It's complete trash. I feel like I was driving a third world country. That's because the Democrats helped build it. Yep. You have potholes. Potholes the size of small lakes that your whole car can, like, sink into when it rains. You That's have... Exactly what I'm talking uh, about. They love like You know, it's like... It's <laughs> <laughs> Guys, we have about two minutes remaining, so I'm going to restart this podcast in the next, uh, I'll let you guys know when we have like 30 seconds left and I'll restart it. Okay. Yeah. Let, yeah, me, just, let me just say this, yeah, that the time is coming where real men are going to have to do real men things. And stop, you're scaring me. That's a toxic message. If, 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 <laughs> if that means, you know, going inside of a school and parading around with the American flag while having the uh, Pledge of Allegiance on blast. Um, on, you know, on a huge, gigantic, you know, Bluetooth speaker mounted to a backpack, I'm willing to do so. If it means going into a mall, if it means going into a store without a mask and saying, make me leave, that's what we have to start doing. I mean, I give, a, I give the Anti-Maskers Club on Instagram a hell of a lot of credit for what they're doing. Um, it's about time more of that starts happening. I know that in Jersey, you know, Governor Murphy's like, well, uh, I can get rid of the mandates, but it's going to be up to the individualized stores now to uh, hold hold those mandates. You know, uh, you know, to, to keep keep them going if they see fit. I'm going to really leave it up to them. So let me get this straight, Murphy. You put us out of work. Most of the business is already closed. So do you think anyone's going to want to reopen in this state after what you've done to them? No. I mean, maybe I'll give you your freedom back, but you have to show that you got vaccinated. Force crap. Guys, we'll bribe you with beer, with beer, with wine. <laughs> you with lottery. Thanks, Governor Cuomo. Thank you for tuning in to the Relentless Patriots podcast. Don't forget to follow us on social media and visit us on the web at www.therelentlessPatriotsApparel.com. Dot com.